This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. This podcast is a Believe Network and Luciete production. Welcome to another edition of the DLU Podcast, brought to you by Believe Network. I'm your host, Derek T. Lewis, and wow, this past weekend, I had such a blast uh, working at the world-famous Monster Factory and getting to see all the boys and girls again. You know, now we're back to doing one show a month, so there's like a huge gap between the time that I see the wrestlers versus last year when we were doing shows twice a month, so I felt like I was there all the time, but it was definitely great to see you know, Dan, Missy, and, and everybody, you know, at the factory, and we put on an incredible uh, matinee show. I think we had the 2 o'clock start, and, you know, we really, really put on a great show, and our next show is going to be on August 12th, so you'll be seeing me plug that, you know, within the next couple of weeks or so. But speaking of the Monster Factory, um, my guest this week is um, one, of the, one of the premier managers in the wrestling business. Um, he's a guy that I've known you know, since, since I got started in the wrestling business almost five years ago, Benjamin King. Um, the guy is no nonsense. You know, his character is very, you know, if I could say kingpin type, uh, type of character. But you know, he's very, very serious, but he loves what he does. He loves his wrestling business and you know, he agreed to come on to the to the D Loop podcast, no questions asked. And again, it was an honor for me, you know, to have him on and we could shoot the breeze about, you know, his life, you know, his upbringing, so to speak, you know, how he got into wrestling as a fan and ultimately how he got into the wrestling business. So let's not wait any longer. My interview with the one and only Benjamin King starts right now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you um, one of the one of the most premier managers on the independent wrestling scene right now. I have an opportunity to work with him on many occasions at the world famous Monster Factory. I give you the one and only Benjamin King. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you, man? I'm doing good, Derek. I appreciate you having me today. I know it's been a little while since uh, since I've gotten to talk, so it's uh, it's nice to have a moment. Absolutely, man. Well, again, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule uh, to come on to the show. So let's talk. Every story has its beginning, obviously. Let's talk about Young King. Let's talk about life growing up in South Jersey. So what was life like for you growing up in South Jersey? Uh, It was rough uh, in a weird way because, like, my family, we weren't, like, we weren't, like, we didn't struggle, but we still still had our ups. We still had our hills to climb. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom had it when she was really young. So... 
it's one of those things where I grew up with a teen mom uh, who was trying to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the time I lived at, when I was born, I was born in Willemboro. So it was kind of like Camden Light, uh, where it was just like, it wasn't wasn't as bad, but it still had its areas you wanted to avoid. But it was a nice childhood. Uh, my grandparents were really good to me. Uh, my family was just really accepting of me. Um, but I always, uh, I'll be honest, man, I struggled with uh, relationships growing up. Because, like, it was one of those things where it's like everybody was friendly, but I just never really could, like, connect with anybody on a, uh, on a deep level. So I was, mm-hmm. like, really reserved as a kid. Um, it probably wasn't until like, I was like six or seven that I, uh, I really started branching out, started making friends and really, really making those bonds. And, uh, yeah. And then, then life happens, man. You start, uh, you start experiencing those life, uh, events from trauma to good things. Um, a lot of ups and downs, man, a lot of struggles, but they molded me to the man I am today. So. Yeah, I was going to talk about that too in regards to childhood. Now you say you obviously you have some struggles in regards to opening up, you know, when you're a much, much younger than obviously six or seven, you starting to open up just a little bit. So with childhood, you know, what was, what was that like going into your early, you know, early, you know, your uh, early teens and things like that? Was there, was there athletics involved? Was there, you know, sports or anything like that? For school, what was that like for you? So it was funny, like throughout my childhood, my mom, she she saw me and you've seen me man i am i'm built like an athlete mm-hmm. my body is the size for an athlete but like i was always the athlete with an artist's heart like i just always had the creative mindset of poetry writing uh public speaking uh i was always good at the artistic sides of life mm-hmm. uh don't ask me ever to draw anything because i can't draw for nothing but like <laughs> everything else man i just really enjoyed uh, but I, with that said, my mother got me playing everything from baseball to football. Uh, she wanted me to play soccer. She wanted me to do everything. And uh, the only sport that really stuck was actually football. Um, and I played that throughout a little bit of high school. And then uh, the one sport that I really wanted to do was amateur wrestling. Okay. But where I was moved to, uh, they took amateur wrestling away just a few years prior because not enough people were signing up. For oh, it. man, that stinks. Uh, these things happen. Um, right, right. It was funny because, like, I was into pro wrestling, but I wasn't really into it at the time of me moving. And it was like amateur wrestling just seemed... The, like the one thing I would love to do because I love to grapple. I love to pick up. I like to put down. That's what I do. And like just the the whole flow of Greco Roman was just like something that I really, really enjoyed watching. I, I like watching it today. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting to see and I watch, you know, um you know, I, there's a lot of times I'll watch like NCAA wrestling a lot of times when they have like their tournaments and everything. And this is amazing, regardless of weight class, like just how naturally strong those guys are you know what i mean the time they put in you know on the mat and and honing their craft you know as you know as, a, as an amateur athlete it's it's amazing to me i interviewed it's funny i actually interviewed um the alpha academy during wrestlemania week and i was asking um chad gable you know and, and we're him and otis as far as their transition from amateur wrestling to pro wrestling 
And they said there's a lot of similarities to it in regards to physicality and everything, just being the punishment on your body, you know, that you go through. So it's it, it's amazing. And you, you wonder why guys like Kurt Angle, you know, took to pro wrestling like fish to water. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, man. for sure. It's, it's really crazy uh, that I like when you look at it, you see people who do these other sports now starting to flow themselves into professional wrestling. And it's almost like it's funny. Like we all know, like professional wrestling is an organization that's there to tell a story, and it's athletes who are artistic enough to be able to tell that story. Uh, but when it comes down to it, man, like I see guys like Moose over an Impact. Like when he first showed up, I was not, I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested in the character. But then, like he got it's kind of like they let the reins off of him a little bit and let him just kind of do his thing and it just it became fire and -hmm. like you obviously you got your brock lesnar's or shana baszler's coming from a fighting background going into this and just naturally good right Uh, what shocks me the most are the celebrities that are starting to show up in the business uh like because back when i was watching as a kid when i was my son's age we had good people like Jim Carrey, not Jim Carrey, uh, Drew, uh, Drew Carey showing up at the Royal Rumble, throwing money at Kane. And like that was our our celebrity spot. But now we have Ricochet and Logan Paul. We have like these celebrities that are coming in. Bad Bunny. Yeah. Bad Bunny. Hands down. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest stole that show. Or at WrestleMania. Oh, well, this past Backlash. Yeah. Yeah. Backlash. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. They took that show and like, when it comes down to it, like people are always say, like, uh, these guys are just part timers, but it's like, yo, these guys are showing up, they're putting in the word, and they're actually outperforming some of the people that I see on a weekly basis with how much it is. Now, mind you, they don't have to do matches and stuff like that throughout the week at house shows and stuff like that. But like these guys, you 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 gotta accept them as a part of the family now. Like they really do put in the work where they put on. 10 15 minute matches yeah yeah no i was gonna let's back it up a little bit though so when was your first exposure to pro wrestling like when was it that you really just sat down i was like yo dude i think this is like the coolest thing on tv when when was what was your first exposure what was the promotion and what were some of the wrestlers that you actually started you saw for the very first time so (laughs) my very first exposure to pro wrestling was wwf okay I was channel flipping with my grandfather. And I saw the very end of a tool cool match. Mm. And I saw Sky Duhati and Grandmaster Sexy and Rikishi doing that dance. Right. Their iconic dance. And it was just like, it was like, what, what is this? So I ended up watching the rest of the show. And uh, on that show, I saw like Stone Cold and he's rivaling against I, I, I want to say it was Bret Hart at the time, but I'm not 100% certain around that. But, like, it was just, like, that during that time, I was just watching, and I was like, this is interesting. And my grandfather starts telling me about how he grew up watching Under the Giant, Roddy Piper. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who these people are. And he goes, well, let's watch some old shows. And he pulled out some VHS tapes and stuff, and we watched it. But, like, to this day, t- Scotty Tuhati is what brought me into professional wrestling. Like, Shout out to Scott was, Taylor. He, yeah, man. <laughs> he, he he brought me into the business uh, for a man who cannot d- 
dance such as myself. It was fun watching them just have a good time when they're out there. And it was just always a nice time to watch Too Cool appear. And like that branched off to Rikishi. And then from them, I started really getting into Edge and Christian. And obviously, there's nobody in the planet that doesn't love the Hardy Boys. Like mm-hmm. I started really getting into tag team wrestling. But the the one thing that exposed me that really brought me to uh to love the business wasn't even in the WWF. It was in WCW with NWL. Okay. It, and like as you know, like I'm a man a man of factions, everything from the proud to the division. Uh, I just love the idea of having a power unit be that either force that goes up against the force of evil or the force of evil trying to run the business because professional wrestling is just heroes and villains, man. Like, as we know, there's the good guys and there's the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have your anti-heroes and your anti-villains. And it's like, when you look at it this way, you can see why kids love this so much. And as adults, we... We grew up as children wanting to be those superheroes. As adults, we are those superheroes and we portray those supervillains that make the heroes even more grand. So, like, it's really dope to see what we saw as children when it seems like Stone Cold Steve Austin is flipping off Vince McMahon and he is just running hell throughout the entire company, only to know that he and Vince are actually perfectly fine behind the scenes there. They're actually pretty close friends. It's like it's I love that that story that they can be able to just when I clock in, you're my you're 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 my enemy. And then afterwards it's like, hey, you want to go get a beer? Right, and right. Like, and it's like as a child growing up, going into the business, see, not going in, but like becoming a fan of the business. It is such a nice feeling of seeing what it was as a child and seeing what it is as an adult, because the child in me is still a fan of the business. I agree. I totally agree with you 100% on that. Now, when was the first time you ever saw it live? Like, far as first live event that you went to, you know, regardless of what age was it, what, when was that live, that first live event? And what was, it, what was that experience like for you? So my first live event was a house show. No, it was a Monday night raw. Uh, I don't remember what age I was, but I remember my aunts taking me and my younger my younger brother at the time, mm-hmm. and it was in Philly. And I don't remember a lot, but I remember it was at the time that Raven and RVD and them were in there. So I'm gonna guess it was around the ECW time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I still remember it was yeah it was during the time of Undertaker, Biker Taker. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I just still remember the matches of like the Hardys were facing up against uh it was like Balls Mahoney and somebody else I want to say like it was just like I can't remember the whole show like my memory is is it okay if I curse in this show yeah yeah no. <laughs> I, I, just, I just like to like to be like to be professional about it but my my memory is shit man <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, when I go out there to cut promos and stuff, I love it because, like, I've had this happen a few times. I'll go out into a show, and I'll cut a promo, and uh, a fan or somebody will be like, yo, that was awesome, and gives me a little fist bump. How you've done it yourself, or, like, good good stuff. 
And if anybody asked me what I said, I would just Pete Dunn shrug and just go, I don't know. It's my memory so bad. Like as soon as I speak it all out that I hope somebody recorded it because there is no second take. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so you basically you're saying that it was, you want to say early 2000s when you first saw your very first live event and obviously the, the live event feeling versus watching it at home are two totally different dynamics. <laughs> hundred percent. Uh at home it's like you're you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. When you're there, it's like watching a sporting event. Because like when don't get wrong, like when the Super Bowl's on, no matter if you're there or when you're home, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. But when you're there and you you can hear it, you can hear the people, you can hear the athletes, you can feel the energy in the air. When you're the the hair on your arms and back of your neck are standing up, when you hear Cody Rhodes music kick on when you hear the choir of Seth Rollins music kicks in mm-hmm. it is just an element unlike anything dude I can remember my very first live event that was uh the Survivor Series 96 at Madison Square Garden to this day I can still hear Howard Finkel say good evening New York City Madison Square Garden New York City and that's exactly why I do that at the Monster Factory, because it gives me those same feelings that I had when I was 18 years old, going to my very first live event, which was a pay-per-view, by the way, mm-hmm. which was The Rock's debut. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really? Oh, yeah, Maivia. it was. It was Rocky Maivia, and I was there for that. And I'll never forget how I felt going to my very first live event. And I that's my goal is to make a fan feel that same way if that's their first time coming to the monster factory or if they want to continue to get those feelings when they keep coming back, you know what I mean? So I totally get what you're saying in regards just to the whole live event dynamic. It's, it's incredible to, 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 for those that have never been to a live wrestling event, I definitely encourage you to do so. You should definitely come out to a monster factory show, August 12th, cheap plug, just saying. Now, (laughs) when did you know that you wanted to be into the wrestling business? No, it's funny. When I was when I was a kid, obviously I dreamed of the idea. It was always just like, oh man, I would love to be a wrestler. But like as I got older, my uh, my family are are realists. They are very uh, like you're allowed to dream, but be reality, be realistic about it. So like being a dreamer in that environment is very rough. And I love my family. Don't get me wrong. They they've they've helped me to this point. But as a child dreaming is one of the things that we have and absolutely uh, so, so i never i never had that encouragement and it's not like they didn't mean to do it that way but they never really had the encouragement to go into that line of work there was right. also another, another opportunities as a kid at that time to really do it um around where i live um which is the reason why like i love that the monster factory has that juniors program that my son gets to be a part of oh because, yeah like when I tell you working with it for this, that past week, it was just an experience like no other. But uh, what got me into the business was actually back in 2018. I remember lying down with my son. We're watching a Monday Night Raw. And Bobby Lashley comes out through the curtain. Mm-hmm. And my son looks at Bobby Lashley on the TV, turns to me and goes, Dad, is that you? Now, mind you, I am flattered. I am flattered that my child thinks that I am as ripped 
and as well shaped as Bobby Lashley. But like I had to break it to him, like, nope, that wasn't me. And he goes, Well, would you do this? And I asked him, I was like, Do you want me to? He nodded, and next thing I know, I'm on Google looking up pro wrestling schools in the area. Monster Factory had the highest rating, so I reached out the number on the website. Danny reached back and said, show up. This is how amount of money you got to pay. <laughs> just show up. You know what I'm laughing? And I don't mean to, I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's just the fact that everyone has the same Dan story. <laughs> show up. Shout and out I, to Danny Cage. Shout out to Danny Cage. Love you, buddy. To Danny, uh, he has a, it's uh, at this point, a catchphrase where he tells you from the moment you start to now, you want to succeed, show up. Show up. Yeah. Literally, that's, that's it. it. That's that's literally the secret to success. It's show up. Show up. Now, mind you, I know that I, I'm not the perfect one on attendance, but like he knows that if he asks me to do something or is like, hey, I need you here, or hey, can you come come here? I'm going to do everything in my power to show up. And like, that's the one of the reasons why I'm plugging the hell out of the factory for this. It is home to me. If I am not in my house working. I want to be at the factory and being off for the past year, not being able to be there has driven me mad because now my son's 2k 23 game has characters in it just because I had to do something creative. Right. And it's just, and like the factory is just like a place where I feel I can in a weird way, be myself without the pressure anymore. Right. So like, but yeah, my son wanted me to get into the wrestling, so I contacted Danny Cage. Danny told me to show up. I came in to kind of take a look around. A month later, I'm wrestling. Well, I'm there training. <laughs> right, and that was gonna that was gonna be my next question. Was was it a re- I guess the, the the dose of reality kick in in regards to how much the physicality you have to take in the ring training? How was that like for you? So, like, I always had that knowledge that wrestling is rough on the body. Mm-hmm. If you look at the career length, and even as, like, a teenager to an adult going into the business, if you look at the career length of majority of these wrestlers, mm-hmm. it's not super long. It's not one of those where it's, like, it's longer nowadays than it was in the past. But Oh, what we absolutely but like it is it, I, you could tell the toll that it took on the bodies and uh i still remember the first day it was i was in the ring cuz uh i just i was struggling getting rolls down so they sent me over to learn how to bump and i still remember it was me tiger watson hyena hex and jester all in the ring trying to teach me how to bump and i took that first bump and it felt like I hit solid ground and all the air stayed up. And Jester just smiles, squats down next to me, goes, you forgot to breathe, didn't you? <laughs> and he did that Jester laugh, and I was like, ow. And he goes, yeah, now get up and do another. And like, it's like, it was fun because they didn't look at it as you're weak, you can't do this. It was... We could have told you, but you wouldn't have understood it until you did it yourself. Right. And from there, now you know the feeling. Now you know what to do. 
And that just seems to be the monster factory way. It's like if you make a mistake, you'll be criticized, not, not criticized, but critiqued. But it's all for the learning experience. Yes, indeed. And even as an announcer, as a ring announcer, is like, granted, I'm not taking bumps and not in there, but Dan, you know, allowed me to sink or swim. And there were some times I, I would sink and I, I would fail. You know what I mean? But he would also show me teachable moments about why you're supposed to do this or why you don't do that and why it's important to make sure that you're doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Because he's only trying to show you because if you get an opportunity to go somewhere else when, you know, when said, when that, you know, company is on national television, better chance of swimming than sinking. Absolutely. So that's why monster factory is the top rated wrestling school in the world, because mm-hmm. this, the, the proof's in the pudding, you know what I mean? So I'm but glad to not- hear that, you know, you, your, your, um your journey in regards to, you know, learning, the learning how to, you know, take bumps and everything. Everyone has the same, like pretty much the similar story in regards to taking that very first bump. It was like, oh man, and you got to do it again. And again, and just teaching your body how to withstand a lot of punishment. You know what I mean? So, and I give all the respect, you know, to, to every person that steps in the ring, you know, to, to do it. And for people that, you know, if I have people that tell me, man, that stuff is fake and that you guys, uh, things that, that, that man is like cottonelle tissue. I'm like, you come on by and you take a bump and you see what it's like. And mm-hmm. then, and then say that mm-hmm. again, you know what I mean? So that's, a lot of people, they don't know. when people say wrestling is fake, it's like, is it choreographed to yeah. a degree? Yeah. yeah. But like any event, audibles have to be called things happen and you mm-hmm. are risking your body if you go to that top rope oh if you go to that middle rope and you slip you could break a bone you can break something you can hurt somebody you can hurt yourself right it's all a risk uh trying to go for a power bomb there's a risk that going for a just a, a suplex alone there's a risk and when it comes to the actual matting it's just like you guys see the tarp. You don't know what's underneath. Underneath the steel beams and plywood. Yep, planks of wood, steel beams, and maybe like what? An, an inch, inch of padding. Inch, if that. inch of padding, maybe. Yeah. Maybe an inch and a half. Not much. Not at all. No. But like, when I tell you, man, it's the, depending on whose ring you're in. There's some rings that I have like fallen, like gone, fallen, bumped. And it was just like, I was hitting the ground regardless. Like, it was just so rough. And then there's rings I've fallen in where I'm like, wow, I am falling on clouds. So it's like, but it's it's not normally the latter. <laughs> wow. Incredible. So when was it that you were trying to, when you made that transition to want to become a manager, was it a, a decision of like, you know what, I think there's a much longer trajectory for being a manager versus being a pro wrestler? So I got injured back in 2011. Um, I was in a really bad car accident. I ended up tearing my rotator cuff, messing up both my ankles, my knee, and my lower back. Mm -hmm. And I went through physical therapy, but it wasn't really well put together. Um, So some of the injuries kind of like lingered in in the background of my mind. Mm-hmm. So when I started training, I started having those past injuries resurface. Um, my rotator cuff ended up uh, getting messed up again, and both my Achilles started flaring up, and I was struggling. So 
I just don't remember. I we we goofed around. I I was told I was really good at promo work, so I remember just chilling with Hyena Hex, and we were going over lockups when Getty Cahoon calls over to me and goes, "Hey, Dan, Dan, and I want to talk to you." So I go to the back, and there's Danny, there's Getty Cahoon, there's Michelle, there's Carl Martin, and they told me that I am going to be managing Hyena Hex. I want to be managing Hyena Hex, Jafar, and Tiger Watson. And they told us the storyline. They told us what was going on, what we're going to have to do. And I'm looking at Hex going, um, I supposed to be in here? Because <laughs> like, like, I'm just confused because I've only been in the business for about six to eight months at the time. Right and get and Dan looks over to Getty and Getty goes, yeah, I think it's a good idea. So they put me into that role, and it was nice because it was like they they trusted me in such an important role for their biggest storyline going into the summer of uh, of 2018, and I I to this day just remember walking out of that meeting going, what the f- what the fuck am I going to do now? right <laughs> how am I, what am i supposed to do like right and uh i still remember dobbs michelle walks up to me and they go you'll be fine don't overthink it have fun so i started cutting little promos started doing little things and then uh, i remember the very first night i st- i man there's nothing like that first time you walk through and you hear the entrance music that you have. Oh, for sure. It is It is a feeling, man. And I still remember walking through that curtain looking at Getty in the ring and smiling and then having Jafar and Tygo running from, from the back and everyone starts ganging up on Getty and we do that, that historic moment for the Prowl, at least, of when the Prowl took out Unstable to start the whole summer off. And it was just like feeling that that change of mentality when I was behind that curtain, I was Kayshawn Marsh. When I walked through that curtain, I was Benjamin King. And when I walked to the back afterwards, Getty Cahoon comes up to me and gives me a hug and he goes, you did awesome. Dan gave me a fist bump. He said, you did great. And it was just like really, really rewarding and I think that it was that moment that made me go, this is what I want to do. I, I I would like to wrestle, but being able to be a manager where I am literally a piece on the chessboard that is able to strategically try to take control of everything. And the mm-hmm. more and more I thought about it, the more and more I was like, all right, how can I make this character mine? Because you remember the very first insult that I got from a heckling fan was I was a discount Suge Knight. And I was just about to ask you, talk about the Benjamin King character, the look, the presentation, the the idea. Who is Benjamin King? And tell the people and describe the character. This episode of the DLU podcast is brought to you by Goalie Nutrition. As someone who's used Goalie for quite some time, I can tell you that they're not only very good, but they're very beneficial. My favorite are the Super Green Gummies. The Super Green Gummies are uniquely crafted with a spectrum of essential nutrients such as 
vitamins A, B12, folic acid, and theamine. It supports a healthy liver function, healthy nervous and immune system, digestive health, a boost to your metabolism, and overall health and well-being. There are no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors from artificial sources. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and gelatin-free. All loyal listeners of the DLU podcast get a special 10% discount at checkout. Go to Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. That's Goalie.com, use promo code D-L-E-W. Benjamin King, his whole thing is he wants success. He wants the best out of this business that we all love, professional wrestling. So to get the best out of the business, he wants to push the wrestlers, the managers, the owners, the commentary, the announcers. He wants to push them all to their very limit. And at the end of the day, that's where success will come from. And he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's not afraid to be known as the devil, as a snake in the grass. He's not afraid to be called untrustworthy. He, he's not afraid of any of those things because at the end of the day, his tactics will result in success of one way or another. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, just like me, he does it for the ones he cares for. At the end of the day, if he cares about you, you will do so much because he will give you everything to succeed. But as soon as you turn away from him and as soon as you show him that you don't need him, it's kind of like if you don't take the proper channels, it's kind of like gang warfare, man. You Once you're in, you're in. And if you want out, I'll, I'll take you out. And that's just the Benjamin King mentality. And that's the reason why, like, for me, if you go to the story of Hyena Hex and Benjamin King, it all started with the two of us. He was he was my golden goose. And it wasn't until he started calling himself the Monster Factory God mm-hmm. and talking and acting like he was bigger than me. And he started ordering me around. That's where Benjamin King looked. And he goes, so you think you're above me? So what's a god to a king when the king can make a god fall? And then there's that moment at uh, in December of 2018 where I ended up pushing Hyena Hex. Uh, One last fight. Yeah. Yeah. When I pushed him off the ladder. Yeah. Because I still remember the very moment he spoke down to me and goes, grab the ladder and help your god. So I grabbed the ladder. And I helped myself to reposition myself back at the top by reminding them that there is no God among men. And that's the mentality of Benjamin King. He will put on the suit, but he is not afraid to take the suit off to fight. He's not afraid to talk you talk you to the point where you are going to be the next big thing or you're barely the dirt underneath his shoe. Incredible. Because if you want if you want success. Prove it. There's been managers over the years. And we can go through the history. You could talk about the Grand Wizard of Wrestling, Classy Freddie Blassie, Lou Albano, Gary Hart, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Slick, Mr. Fuji, Jimmy Hart, 
And of course, you have now in the modern day, the wise man himself, Paul Heyman. Of all of those, or maybe some I didn't mention, which of those managers do you study and why? So there's actually two managers that I actually really hooked myself to. One obviously was Paul Heyman. Mm -hmm. I loved how his mind always worked from the moment, from the time he was the owner of ECW all the way till now as the wise man, the way that he spoke on the microphone and the way that he would make people feel like it's their fault that they failed or their fault that they succeeded, the way that he's able to twist the tail to make it where he is consistently innocent is such a good piece of character that I just, I love that concept because it's like the ultimate villain. It's like the kingpin of Marvel where he's not touchable. And if you touch him, you did something wrong. Mm. You never did anything wrong. You did it wrong. But, uh, Ironically, Paul Heyman wasn't the one that really uh, really made me vibe my Benjamin King gimmick. The dude that did it was Montel. It was MVP, man. Him in the Hurt Business. That 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 swagger he had from the moment like when he first showed up to now, he always had that 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 mo that movement to him, that swagger and that that confidence. And it was just like he was the guy that I wanted Benjamin King to live up to. This the whole thing was just he was money, he was power, he was success. And that's what I want. That's what I want my whole thing to become. And be able to back it up behind it. On that note though, Talk about some of the things that makes a good manager, whether it's a heel or a baby. What are some of the elements that makes that manager stand out and what and what makes that manager good? Patience. Have patience. Patience with the wrestlers, patience with the referees, and also be patient out there when you're managing. Like, it is our job as a manager to make the wrestlers look larger than life we are a piece of the story we mm -hmm. are not the story we are like benjamin king doesn't matter what role doesn't matter where who i was managing he's an important fact he is somebody that's out there that is making this story larger than life the story was hyena hex and getty cahoon the story was jafar and it was michelle it was the story of Tiger Watson. It was the story of Travis Jacobs and Notorious Mimi. It was the story of Clutch Adams. And it was just the story was the wrestlers. Benjamin King was there to give them an elevated boost. It was my character that made them be able to draw off of what I'm doing to grow even more. So when I'm out there managing, yeah, I want to talk talk shit to the crowd i'm i'm going to say what i need to do and i'm going to be on the mic and i'm going to cut these promos but at the end of the day when i speak you will kneel down to your king that is benjamin king's ego playing the part 
So when Carl Martin comes out of nowhere and hits me with that little ceramic head that he has, it's one of those things where I've been untouchable for four months. I finally got hit. That means something. Because now Giddy Cahoon and Hyena Hex are the only ones left in that ring. The show is now on them. Because now the snake in the grass who has been hands 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 on for the last three months has just been eliminated from the situation. Right. So now things are unpredictable. Again, it looked and appeared like Benjamin King was in charge of the whole thing when really I was just a piece of the story to give Hyena Hex that weaselly heel who's scraping by because somebody constantly has his back. That was the story of Hyena Hex. That's where Hyena Hex's ego came in because Hyena Hex felt like he was untouchable. And like that's that's how the story is told. So when it comes to being a manager, as you ask, be patient. Don't try to rush your story. Don't try to rush your character development. Don't try to rush to get matches through. When the wrestlers are going over matches, listen to them. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to for spots and ask them what are the big spots of the match and what two spots in the match am I involved in? Am I going to be doing dirty stuff? Am I going to be used by the by the heel? Am I going to be the heel? Um, tell me the big spots so I could be able to help get the crowd built up for that big moment. Give me that information, and that's all you need. And just be patient with it. If you're trying to develop your character and trying to develop the story quickly, I'm going to be honest with you, it's probably going to end up being a shit story. Because right. nobody's nobody's gotten the opportunity to really understand who the characters are in said story. There's like a uh, a, a love hate relationship with the build up. Look at perfect example, which is something that anybody listening here who is a professional wrestling fan is already aware of. The bloodline storyline that that storyline has lasted what almost it's a little three, over three years, years. Three years. August will be three years, and yeah. I gotta say, it's probably one of the greatest storylines in the last twenty five years. In, yeah. in the business, in the business. And think of how it started. Yeah. Roman Reigns came back. He took out Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. That's all he did. He said, I'm going to wreck everyone and leave. And that's what he did. And then it was that next night where all you see was Roman Reigns sitting in that recline, in that, in that seat. And the camera panning out. And then you see Paul Heyman. And that's where everything began. That's where his whole story started. And then three years later, you have Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. And it's like, and like, I feel like everybody was in on like, we know how this story should end. But every time you think that it, the story was going to stop because we were so conditioned for a, for a title reign to only last a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. that it just kept, we're like, he kicked out. What? He won. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And it's like it kept evolving and evolving. And Paul Heyman, that entire time, has played his role into making Roman Reigns larger than life. To making the Usos larger than life. I'll say this now. People can people say otherwise. I like 
I like Roman Reigns. I like the Usos. I love them. I love them as a fan of the business, and I respect them as a member of this business. I do not believe without Paul Heyman, the storyline would have never gotten as far as it did. I can, I can, I can agree with that because there's a lot of things. If you ever listen to and shout out to uh, Rick Rubin, he has his own podcast. If you, I forgot the name of it, but you can search for Rick Rubin and you, you'll find his podcast. But Paul Heyman was on the June 7th episode, I believe. And it was a, it's, it's, the episode is about three and a half hours long. I felt like I went to a professional wrestling college listening to that episode. And when Paul was talking about just how he gets everyone on the same page in regards to ideas and, you know, pitching, you know, and going back and forth and everyone just contributing, you know what I mean? To this whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, pe- people fail to remember Sami Zayn was a huge part of this thing as too. Two. I don't even think he was even supposed to have been there that long. But Sami it- was basically, I want to say only like four to five months in the storyline, but he like I, I want to say that. I feel like it might have been a little longer than that, obviously, but it felt like his his role really took form for about a five, six month period. Yeah. But and that's like, what I mean, but it but it just really goes up. to show you it's it's a lot of it's it's the little the little things and it and I, I was at WrestleMania in LA and let me tell you, like everyone had their eyes glued to those two main events that involved the bloodline. Yep. That was the weekend. You know what I mean? And I asked you that question in regards to what makes a good manager and everything, because a lot of times people think that. Well, you know, the manager's job is just to go out there and yada yada, antagonize the crowd, blah, 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 whatever. But no, it's just the little things. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's the little things. When I first got into the business, I overheard somebody say this one time when it came to a, a manager. Let's say if a manager was in a, in a tag match, it's a wrestle like a manager, manage like a wrestler. Yeah. If you're not in the business, you don't understand that ideology. But if you're in, you totally get it because it's so true. Oh, it's like Missy Sampson and Danny always say, you have to be crazy to be in this business. 100%. Simple as <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, I, I still remember uh, it was, let's see. I'm trying to remember who it was. I want to say it was Ricky. Uh he was he was doing a seminar thing like the the free Sunday nights free ring open ring, yeah, and he goes, "You have to be stupid to be in this ring, but it's going to be the most fun you ever have." Agreed, and that's the and a hundred percent. And like, it's funny. Like uh, my son, he just did the uh, the juniors camp, and now he's doing the Saturday juniors classes. And man, when I tell you, it's amazing that it's when Dan told told him that when you start doing roles all the time, that it becomes like second nature. Mm-hmm. I did those roles for about a year and a half. To this day, if I stumble or if I'm uh, tripping, my forearm goes out like I'm about to do a regal roll. Right. Instinctually. Now, I haven't done roles in a year and I still have that instinct. It's crazy. And like, but yeah, when it comes to managing 
there's we are we are literally like the safety net for the for, for the athletes. If they're if they get lost in something, we can help guide them back. If there needs to be an audible, we can call them back. If there's like we have to wrap it up, or like I'm paying attention to time to try to say like, hey guys, we uh, we got to go home. I'm the I'm that extra thing they can lean on while while I'm out there. For both sides, for the guy I'm managing or the guy that's crossed the crossed the way, I can be that extra word of going, like, "Hey, uh, remember this is the spot," or "Hey, uh, which which side are you going to be on?" And like, I know I'm like revealing a lot about how the how the business works, but like, I think that to get a better understanding about what we do, you have to pull the curtain back a little more. We're we're past the age where we can live in that fantasy where it's wrestling wrestling's real um right, right, right. we're not in that world anymore um hey, brother yeah it's just, <laughs> it's just one, we don't have that like yeah. aren't wrong do i love the idea of kayfabe yeah i love the the idea behind it we're just not in that world anymore right agree we, agree that too much social media has killed that up uh, that ability so now we have to go into a more realistic mindset about it all, where it's like, yeah, uh, wrestling is not, it's choreographed, but so are movies. Performance art. Yeah, look at look at this as a movie. You're yes, going you on a Saturday night to watch a two-hour movie live. Agreed. Like Agreed. Undertaker is doing a stand-up show. Like, let's be real. You think back in the nineties, you would ever believe The Undertaker Heck no. is doing a stand-up show. No way. Not even close. No. no. Your your only thought about the Undertaker, like as a child back then, the Undertaker was like teachers. As soon as you as soon as the night was over or the day was done, they just kind of shut down like machines and they weren't they won't be back on until later. You forget that they're human beings. Right. Large in the, they're large in the life superstars, man. Yeah. For sure. Let me ask you this, though. Yeah. What was the best advice that anyone has given you in the industry? Carl Martin, Danny Cage, and Missy Sampson. All three of them told me this within a week's time of each other. Pro wrestling will be there. Take care of you. Hmm. I am somebody who will put his health on the line to give everything to everybody. It's just me as a person. Like, scratch the Benjamin King gimmick for a sec with this. This is just who I am as an individual. I'll go out of my way to make sure everybody's okay. I will do that. And I don't want anything for it. Right. I just want to see... I, I legitimately want to see the success of others. When the Notorious Mimi was signed to NXT for her time there... I was ecstatic to the point where I came back for one show in the middle of some health issues I was going through just so I can call that match. Yeah. Just to be there in that last match before she would go off to NXT because I had to. I the That was about a week or two before I had to go into the hospital for a bit. And like I was struggling, but I, I had to show up. Uh I will do whatever it takes to see this business succeed. 
and honestly, man, it's I lost train of thought of where I was going off because I started started really thinking. Uh, you ever get those moments where like oh yeah you emotionally start you emotionally start delving and then you just forget where you even started off with for sure so, for sure. So I apologize for that. I forget the question that you asked me there. No, I was just saying that what was the biggest, what was the best advice anyone's giving you? And then uh, you said yeah. that wrestling will always be there. Yeah, it and it will. Um, I, I've been gone. So I was gone in November for mental issues. I came back for like, I think it was just the month of July and February. Went right, Yeah, right before I ended up having my health crisis that uh, where I almost where I almost died. Um that I had to step away from wrestling completely. And that, that was in March. And since March, I've gotten messages from Missy. I've gotten re- messages from fans and wrestlers all saying like, hope you're doing well. Can't wait for you to come back. And the feeling of them wanting me there, wanting me back felt really good, but knowing that wrestling was still going to be there for when I'm ready to come back. It didn't matter what I will always have people there. And that's the, that's the part that, uh, that really gets me the most is that wrestling, and this is for everybody involved in the business. Wrestling will be there. Do not put your health on the line. Do not put your mental health on the line, especially your mental health on the line. If you need to take time away, do it. Go go recover with everything you might need to do. Promotions will still continue. Your friends and family that you have made in this business will still be there. We are a family from the indies running on the street to the big time of AEW and WWE. We are a family. At the end of the day, we are going to take care of each other. That's just how this this business is, at least through my view. I think that at the end of the day, we will always be able to lift each other up to be able to survive this. So when Missy and Dan and Carl Martin told me that, I guess that part of it just clung on to me more than anything else in the business. Village. Got it. Got it. Last question before we get out of here. Yeah, you and, and you alluded to it that you've been away for for a while. And um, what are you? When are your plans to come back? And what do you plan to do when you do indeed come back? When when what what does the kingpin himself, Benjamin King, have in mind for when he does come back? <laughs> uh just back to business, baby. <laughs> and business has never stopped. I took my time away. I, I got my recovery going. But when I come back, it's like I'm it's like riding a bike, man. The bike was away for the winter. Now it's spring and summertime, the sun's out, and King needs to stretch, get his morning coffee, and then get back to work. And that's just how it's that's just how it's gonna be. When that's gonna happen, well, that's something that anybody listening here and anybody that has been following me will have to uh always know. Just pay attention. I'll start dropping signs, I'll start letting that letting people know, but I ain't gonna straight up tell y'all. Because what kind of surprise would it be? If I told you when I'll be back. Very true. <laughs> but of course, me being a journalist, I had to ask. But oh, you know, 100%. I had to yes, I had to ask. Well, unfortunately, I gave you a lot of a lot of paragraphs on all these questions, but uh for that last one, man, you can just chalk it up to uh stay tuned. 
All right. Well, <laughs> where can people find you on social media? Um, you, t- you know, all of where they can find the one and only Benjamin King. Where can they find you? All right. So y'all can find me at Benjamin King MF on Twitter, Instagram, or you can find Benjamin King on Facebook. Um, I will be having a YouTube page up hopefully within the next month. Uh, and uh, don't be afraid to reach out. And uh, promote, any promoters out there listening in, uh, BenjaminMFKing at gmail.com. Reach out. I will do whatever you need me to do to put in that work to make your business go and excel to their next levels. Well, King, um, like I said, you know, we've known each other for quite a while now, and at least since my tenure at, at the at Monster Factory. And again, it's always been a pleasure because you know, you and I, you know what we do. We we go into we go in the locker room and we book the territory. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we we talk about a lot of different ideas and um it's it's a great creative outlet. You know, for even you to even think of me and say, hey, what do you think of this? What ideas you got for this, that and the other? And it's like, I say, hey, man, I got this, this and this. And it's like, it's great when you get to share those creative ideas, when you definitely have the passion for the business that you and I have, like everybody else. So, again, I thank you very much for coming on to the show. And um, we'll definitely be catching up soon. 100%, man. Until then, I'll see you at the factory. Take care, man. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the DLU Podcast. Once again, I want to thank Benjamin King for uh, coming out to the show to talk about all aspects of his his wrestling career, his life, and um, as always, you know, I wish him all the best. You know, that look forward to him coming back whenever that is. Because of course, he always is a man full of surprises, so you never know when the kingpin will show up. That being said, again, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. As a matter of fact, what you can also do is leave a five-star review as well as far as what you enjoyed about the show and everything and what you heard and where you feel the show can go. Social media is um, kicking. Um, I think Twitter is now X, but whatever it is, um, that threads, Instagram, TikTok um, is at The Real DT Lou. Facebook is Derek T. Lewis official page. You can hit up my store. Shop.DerrettLewis.com where you can get some really cool tees and hoodies. And don't forget to pre-save my next single with Angie Stars entitled Espacion. Uh, you can go to my bio on any of my social media and you can actually go to that link. Click the link and you'll see at the on that page you'll be able to see the, the link where you can actually go ahead and pre-save it. So on August 25th at midnight... You'll be able to hear me and Angie Stars do our thing. As a matter of fact, her and I are going to be filming the music video this coming weekend. I cannot wait to see how all of this is going to come to be. You know, I'm looking forward to, you know, creating some memories, you know, for a lot of people, including myself. Well, I got to create some memories for myself, right? <laughs> Most important. Well, with that being said, I'm going to get out of here and make sure always whatever it is that you do in life, always remember to make it count. See you next time.